antidepressants. I studied the Bible. I wept and laughed and prayed. I fell in love, married, and fathered two children. I ministered as a rabbi to congregations, universities, summer camps, and prisons. I have never stopped searching. After more than 10,000 hours of this spiritual search, I learned that it produces nothing tangible. Imagine searching for the wind. You walk out to the open field. You wait. You hear something in the distance. Suddenly you feel it, the tender wind on your cheek. I've found it, you exclaim. Your friends and family come running. They've waited so patiently. They gather around you, first excited, then confused. What have you found? Your hands remain empty. You hold nothing but stories. We who search, what do we really have to offer? Hands empty, we tell our stories. When I began to tell my stories to family, friends, colleagues, and congregants, stories that traversed so many spiritual arenas, stories that more often than not ended in a bewildering blend of revelation and regret, I awaited rebuke. I imagined others would shake their heads, wag their fingers, and scold me for playing the field. Why did you need to explore? I expected to hear. Why couldn't you content yourself with one religious tradition, one spiritual path? Instead of admonishment, I received encouragement, and the request again and again to share what I'd learned. While I was busy castigating myself for a lack of religious fidelity, others were thanking me for outfitting my toolbox with such a diverse assortment of techniques. A congregant whose husband had left her for another woman thanked me for helping her traverse those turbulent waters with the help of meditation. A corporation invited me into the stratosphere of their high-rise, glass-walled offices to teach their executives how to stretch. A summer camp welcomed me to their wooded enclave to lead campers and staff in embodied song. With my face pressed close against my own life's canvas, I saw an amorphous mess of haphazard brushstrokes. When I stepped back, a very different painting emerged. A new story began to unfold. I hadn't been dabbling. I'd been cross-training. Without intending to, I'd bounded back and forth between three arenas of spiritual practice—silence, stretch, and song. These three distinct paths had collectively moved me up the mountain. Together, silence, stretch, and song had propelled me to new spiritual heights. Why silence, stretch, and song? Why had I gravitated to these three modes of worship? While each path presented a unique set of challenges, exercising different spiritual muscle groups, a common thread ran through them all—body and breath. When I studied holy texts, though I found this enriching, the wisdom usually stayed in my head. Silence, stretch, and song invited me to actualize my search for God, turning it from theoretical aspiration to embodied action. Rumi, the 13th-century Sufi poet, writes, Don't open the door to the study and begin reading. Take down a musical instrument. Let the beauty we love be what we do. There are hundreds of ways to kneel and kiss the ground. How do I bring worship alive? 
by taking down the instrument, the yoga mat, the meditation cushion, by moving worship into every cell of my body. I hadn't intended to cross-train. I began this journey with the intention to master one spiritual modality. For years at a time, I focused exclusively on a single practice, calling it my own, claiming it as my chosen tradition. I grew accustomed to that familiar feeling of a meditation cushion under my tush, a mat beneath my feet, or a prayer book in my hands. Patting myself on the back, I declared, I meditate, or I sing and dance and pray. Unintentionally, I turned each chosen path into a lovely, rewarding, safe hobby. Contemplative practice provided comfort and security, chicken soup for my lonely, ravaged soul. But the God